Today, we are going to find out why our payroll provider told us that Acuity has the most complicated payroll of any company they work with. It's a true story, which means we're going to do a <laughs> deep dive in the compensation. We're going to talk about how comp works at Acuity and uh, what we think are ways that other accounting firms should be considering you know, making compensation changes for their teams. All that here. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I'll drink while you think. The weekly happy hour conversation between a couple of guys who are building their accounting firm in really weird ways. I'm your drinking buddy, Kenji. My other drinking buddy there is Matthew. Matthew, tell us, who is our sponsor today? Well, we've got a surprise for y'all today. We've got two sponsors. First, a repeat sponsor, Enrock. And rock for you all you, for any of your SaaS clients and their sales tax needs. And rock, it's it's the solution you've been missing. And also, because you forgot to ice the other beer, so and and they didn't give me that beer. Uh, we're splitting the sponsorship today, and we're going to go with Accounting Salon. Accounting Salon is sponsoring. Today's Drink While You Think. Accounting Salon is a collection of the smartest and brightest cloud accounting and progressive thinkers in the United States and beyond. Join Accounting Salon. Get your application in today for next year. Sign up for that long wait list. You can tell it's quality because they don't let me in. Accounting <laughs> Salon. That's the greatest promo and advertisement I've ever heard for Accounting Salon. Okay. Because they don't let you in. Okay. What is the amazing beer that Amanda sent to us for an accounting salon? Um, I'm going with um, the the Porty, which sounds like me, right? It's yes, a, it it's a Baltic Porter. It's barrel aged. It's a year barrel aged, but um, it's from, as we love for our sponsors to do like their local breweries. So this is from Port Orleans uh, Brewery. So when you're going to ZeroCon, Everybody going to Zero Quan, let's hit this one up. We'll, we'll hit the Port Orleans uh, breweries up, and uh, we'll we'll have to do something fun there. But this is the Porty. So. The Porty. The big guy. Nice. The 10 well, center. Woo. Not for the faint of heart. I've got one here, and also not faint of heart. And this is from our friends, at, again, at Anrock. Now, this, let me see if I can do this here. Check this bad boy out. I've had this before, but on the show. The Delirium. The delirium is the pink elephant, the tremens. That is a Belgian. That is a big old Belgian. It's a big old, look at that cool ceramic bottle. How cool is that? Um, it's got the pink elephant on there. This is a Belgian beer. No, Anrock team is not from Belgium. At least I don't think so. I don't think they're from there. They're from the Bay Area, but they saw this and threw this in too. And it's just kind of cool. It's kind of cool when you get to pull the cork out and pop the bottle. Let's see if here we go. I'm just going to let the people Ooh, from, from yeah. Anrock know that Kenji did not save this bottle for me. He saved it for himself. That is correct. I am greedy with the beer sometimes if I have to collect it at the office. Yes. I was greedy with this one. Wonderful. Well, cheers, man. Cheers. Mm. Ooh, that's interesting. Mine's that as is, heavy as it sounds. Mine is as Belgian as it looks. That is Belgian. Okay. Okay. So, so what happened today? I haven't heard the story. Gusto called and is like, no, hey, they, they didn't call. But payroll yeah. is like, so our payroll provider is Gusto. And I just was thinking about this, but 
the folks at Gusto, they really did tell us that we had one of the funkiest payrolls ever. And I, I guess I'm not surprised by that. I mean, they're not lying about that. They are not lying. So I thought it'd be a good way to talk about comp. We talked about pricing recently, and I think sometimes these go together. So I guess from a very high level, Matthew, and we'll dig into another piece of it, what in the world makes Acuity's payroll so crazy? Well, I mean, from a philosophical level, we have more alignment with our employees on our comp plans than any other company I've ever met in my entire life. So that means there's lots of variable compensation plans. And when I say lots, I would guess that it was 80 of the 100 U.S. employees have variable compensation plans. So it's just maybe maybe more might be like 85, maybe maybe more. And the ones that aren't, it's like, okay, they're owners, but are they owner? Like, can they get W-2s? Can they not get W-2s? Do they do distributions? Do they whatever? Like, yeah. So that's also fun. And then taking people from employees to owners. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a different topic for, for, for Gusto. Yeah, it's it's um, we have lots of different types of com- com- compensation plans. We have changed them around quite a bit. Yeah. Well, um, we've been around for a yeah. bit. I and we I still have comp plans that you put in place that I have to fix. Still trying to, yeah. They're, the comp plans are hard to unwind. We got some heritage legacy ones that are a little screwy for sure. I know my fingerprints are all over some of those. And yeah, we just change them up quite a bit. And so really the person who hates us the worst is poor Trisha. I mean, Trisha just has, who is one of our most tenured team members who handles our own payroll. That is, we wouldn't wish that on any of our clients, the way we, we kind of handle that. Um, and the other thing we even have too, is not only do we have variable comp, we've got fixed comp. Um, we have compensation plans that are paid over different pay periods. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are paid monthly and some semi-monthly and some are paid monthly with a semi-monthly payment with the true up for the variable comp. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about those. I'm going to have Matthew, you for a quick technical thing for me. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, you're a little choppy coming through. So if you wouldn't mind, there's some things you can kill off. I'll talk a little bit while you kill some things, maybe see if that helps. Okay. But we'll go with it. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, we have plans that are on monthly. People who get paid monthly, some are, are twice a month. Um, that does wonders, by the way, uh, for people when we're trying to get out there and also do uh, things like uh, their benefits. So certain certain team members for their their medical and healthcare stuff have different you know deductions withheld because they're only. <laughs> taken out, you know, twice a month versus once a month. So we just have all kinds of funky conversations. And I will say that Matthew's right. As we look back at this, um, it did come out of, we want to make sure there's lots of alignment. We want to try to align uh, this. And I guess as we think about the variable piece, why there's so much variable comp, um, I think it comes down to like, we're trying to be very flexible. We, we don't really believe I don't, we don't believe at all in the 40 hour work week. I mean, I think it's, I think the 40 hour work weeks is an old holdover from the industrial age of trying to kind of just make sure, um, you know, workers aren't abused and things like that um, from the old hold off, hold off. But like, why, why is 40, 40, who cares about 40 hours? That's just like an arbitrary number. 
Uh, so we like people just to pick, all right, pick how much you want to work, which for us means you got to have to have some funky comp plans, things that, that can scale up or scale down. So I don't know. That's the theory of why we got there. Um, any other reasons, Matt, that you can think of? Again, alignments, flexibility. We have such funky plans. I mean, certainly motivation, incentives, and things. But I, I think alignment's the big one. Um, but I was just, I was just philosophically coming out of public where you're just, you could only make money as an owner if you drove people into the ground and made them work seventy hours a week and stuff like that. That that never sat well with me, you know. Yeah. Um, so once I made that transition and got out of that world, you know, the comp plans here made more sense where it's kind of win-win work more, you know, make more. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's probably true. That's probably true. So it kind of, it came from a good place. We're trying, we're trying to make interesting comp plans that motivate people that are aligned to uh, the way that they work. But yeah, we were, we've been told, I guess when we don't think about the, the tactical part of actually running it. Yeah, Gusto, who has who are wonderful tech stack partners we worked with for years, was like, you guys are insane. Like, this is crazy how many different things you guys have. You're about to break the system here. Um, you know, so I'm surprised by, I am surprised by how many people are surprised at our comp plans. Whenever I describe them, they're like, wait, you guys do what? It doesn't seem like many other firms do nearly the amount of variable comp that we do. I think if they do, they do them on 1099 arrangements. So very few people bridge the divide over to like, why not? If you're going to have those variable plans with 1099 contractors, why not just make them employees, give them benefits, 401k, which we made the leap to do, right? Uh, So I don't know why that leap is hard for some people because it's not like people don't have variable costs because almost everybody we talk to uses contractors, right? Right. And that's very similarly aligned. I guess we just go the extra step of adding employees and paying for them to, you know, benefits and computers and and bringing them in for acuity con and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um I don't I I I've always struggled with why that's a leap for people. I, I have so, too. But um so it's not traditional. And so maybe it's just that we're weird and we think a little bit differently about things. But I, I do think I had a conversation last weekend with a, um, you know, a friend, firm owner, and we just talked about the fact that um, it, it. He was kind of surprised. He's like, "Man, I forgot that you guys have all that variable comp," which is which is nice. It allows us to kind of be flexible. It allows us to, you know, hire at a little bit of a different pace. I do think it means, I, well, I know it means that we carry larger headcount than probably firms that only do full time would because we've got them in these. These big, you know, uh, you have to spread them out. So it's a little bit more work and effort, I think, when it comes to a scheduling standpoint, for sure, uh, management, because there's just more people. But uh, I guess the one that I think is maybe most, I would say most unique, I've, I've had the most questions about, is the way that we've done our U.S. bookkeeping team. Um, oh, yeah. we've, made, we've made some changes sure. there. But it's we pay that team based on a percentage of revenue, the percentage of their book of business. And so they, um, they, it, it's a really nice alignment mechanism to where they almost provide some revenue assurance for us on bookkeeping things, right? If we if we misprice something, they're going to raise their hand quickly because if we misprice it, it absolutely impacts them. And so it's really forced us to be try to be very disciplined there about pricing. And so we've got um, there people get paid a percentage of 
their book of business. And so they know exactly, you know, what we're charging those clients. The way that we've done it as well, too, is you can get that percentage to increase. Um, the way that we've done that is we've let people do that based on, on retention. So uh, if you retain a client longer, it increases their percentage of their take home. So we just think that's a natural kind of easy step mechanism to say, well, let's have some incentives there to kind of keep them. And we'll share that because we, our assumption is if we keep them for a long period of time and you're a bookkeeping client, clearly that bookkeeper is doing a nice job or doing something there to help on the retention. So we like to increase their take of that on the way up. But yeah, the bookkeeping, the US bookkeeping was one I remember when we first got into it. Actually, Trisha, who we mentioned earlier, who does our payroll for the company, was our very first bookkeeper. And she was the first person that we hired in that role. Because I remember from the get-go, we never hired a bookkeeper on hourly or anything like that. And she was the first person after it felt like interviewing hundreds of these bookkeepers who said, oh, wait a minute. So you mean if I, if I work faster than other people, I still get paid the same amount? And we're like, yeah. She's like, I like that. I like that. Whereas most of the bookkeepers we had met were like, no, no, my hourly rate is this, right? And there was no incentive for being faster. There was no incentive for being more efficient or using tools better. And then then the t- I think the tide turned pretty quickly to where our team doesn't even blink an eye about that. I think people like that model if they're more forward thinking. So that's been a hugely helpful one for us there. We do forms of that even at the CFO level the controller level, they're all essentially paid on books of business in a little bit of a different way, right? I mean, that's- Right, definitely. And how do their, so as a controller or CFO, what things, they're taking basically a percentage or a portion of their revenue as well too. What things move their comp up and down? Those are based on hours. So, I mean, I guess technically the CFOs are book of business based still, but the lever that they can pull is they don't have much lever in pricing. Yeah. Um, so the lever they can pull is the hours that they work and in, in efficiency, right there. So that's that's one of the challenges we've had is how do you take that benefits that we've gotten out of the bookkeeping practice, and how do we then apply those pricing and arrangements to those upper levels uh, things, and then um, how do you maximize then the value there too for people? So yeah, yeah. we're still working on that one. <laughs> we are like, I think some of the great things we've learned in bookkeeping and some of the compliance work we've tried to apply up to our advisory practices and some work, some don't work exactly as well. Um, the work isn't as recurring in nature. Sometimes, um, there needs to be peak, you know, times and, and lower times. So it's a little bit trickier. Um, we have- just, uh, some problem we had some problems though because we did try to push that up to the CFO level and we had more problems with CFOs ghosting clients you know on fixed fee deals than we did on bookkeepers ghosting clients which which we would have thought that was we would have I mean I would have bet that that would have been opposite so then you have these since the advisory deliverables were less clearly defined you know, we had we we got in these weird situations, whereas the bookkeeper is like clear, like did you deliver the financials or yeah, not? Super clear. So super um, clear. So uh, it, that's uh, maybe that's just more on advisory than, than it is on comp plans, but like it's just an interesting beast that you still have to worry about. Yeah, yeah, that kind do. of thing. And, and then we've got um, but, even 
they that but but to be fair where they had no incentive to deliver the services if they're getting paid either way right the way right. we contemplated right. that back then so and that was that I mean, was more of a that's a that's a yeah. short long-term view right yeah yeah that was more of a retainer-based kind of agreement we had minimum number of hours things like that and i think other firms probably do that as well too where you say hey listen the price for kind of working with us is going to be a minimum commitment level that we're going to charge. We're going to get you those hours. And sometimes maybe in some period we're a little light, we'll make them back up in other periods. And I think that's always the theory. It can get a little tricky doing that because you're right. The deliverables aren't nearly as clear on advisory or, or consistent. And so it makes it a little trickier doing that there. Um, sales team. Also, we have a sales team and those folks like most sales teams are highly variable comp yeah, highly commissioned yeah so highly highly commissioned which is is a little different again i think accounting firms many accounting firms don't have a sales team like us but we have they are highly driven on that they're typically and they're mostly focused on mrr right so monthly recurring revenue is typically what is the main driver of their comp plans that's right yeah so. it net net new we like to um Again, our focus with our team is growth with that sales team. And so it's kind of net new MRR. Like what did, what just got closed here recently? It's not these long tails of, uh, I remember in some cases seeing like business development, people's comp at other firms where you're getting this big piece of, or, or sorry, a small piece of like the overall revenue for periods of time and things like that. Ours is much more about, hey, what just got pushed through is in new closed deals in the very recent month or couple of months that we typically comp on, um, which again, I don't think that's, it's unusual for an accounting firm, very standard, I think, for tech firms or people who have um, outbound sales teams, you know, sales development reps working with account execs. We've kind of modeled most things there again, like we saw in predictable revenue or what others are doing there. Um, any other form of comp, that variable comp or things that are funky that we're doing? Um, we, do, we do spot bonus program based on license by based on yeah. um, technology right. certifications. So, so, yeah, so we have a, basically like a spot bonus program based on if you get zero certified, QuickBooks certified, bill.com certified, uh, Drab certified, like those are the, those are the main ones I think. So Gusto, we have a, maybe we have a Gusto goal. We, yeah. Gusto, anybody who's got a certification, if you're a tech stack partner in the cloud space, we typically will give um, our team spot bonuses for those. And even on every year, if they renew that um, we have a goal. Uh, I don't know if it's a great goal because it's very difficult to measure against anyone, but of being the most highly certified cloud accounting firm in the U S and we know that number, we track it in our draft dashboard all the time, but we don't, know if anybody else does so we have no idea if yeah. if we're the most we have i think i think we had like the last month i think it was up to 194 certifications we're just under 200 like the, the, the highest one i think was zero i think we had 74 zero certifications in house yeah, yeah. So. so we had a bunch so yeah we bonus for that as well too um part of the reason we do that and this is interesting on the variable comp piece because we are so focused on book of business we said what else is important to us um, and we know that making sure our team is really proficient with our tech stack partner software, we're like, oh, that's also worth doing bonuses and things around for some of those team members as well, too. 
Um, it does create some challenges for us too. We are working through some things now to where um, we do have to kind of create spot bonuses for things that are not billable. And we're kind of exploring some things now about how do we, you know, how do we think about a couple other areas that are really important at Acuity that we need people involved with um, that we can possibly look at some comp. Now, in some cases, our, oh, variable, yeah, we... our variable comp assumes, you know, look, there's going to be some admin time, right? right? You're getting a nice, healthy take of the revenue because there is going to be some admin time. There's going to be some downtime. It's kind of built into the rates or the percentage of book of business, but we're kind of doing some exploration there. And sometimes that's a little hard for people to, I think, wrap their head around when you say. Yeah. Also have, um, as you're talking about, we also have part-time roles. So we have the advocate role and the tech stack partner role. So those are salaried roles that go in addition to their other, other comp plan. A lot of times it's like a ride log comp plan uh, for that. Yeah, Matthew's like a good example is like our tech stack team. We're kind of, um, those are roles that people from other practices that maybe the bookkeeping practice or controller practice can raise their hand and say, oh, cool. I also want to be on the tech stack team. And that has some fixed compensation on top of their variable compensation for helping us work with our tech stack partners to making sure it's not just me and Matthew just making things up, but like someone who can really kind of go and go through demos if we have to roll out training to the bigger teams. And so that's right. We do have a bunch of these um, almost add-on, if you will, roles or hybrid roles that people can elect to be part of. And those add some comp and some things there too. So there's, yes, just one more layer of weirdness around a comp plans. Um, and, and this quarter we added an upsell comp plan for our ops team. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which was previously salaried. <laughs> yeah. So again, Matthew's referring to there, somebody to, we we found for us at Acuity that the service level team members, so bookkeepers and controllers, sometimes are it, it have a difficult time with their clients kind of upselling. Or say, or ra- they're raising their hand and saying, hey, we need to start charging more. And so we've just built a mechanism where there's some different team members who are a little bit more sales oriented or the ops oriented who can come in and stand in for the accounting team members and say, they can submit a ticket, if you will, in our, they basically submit a ticket and say, Hey, this price, this client needs a pricing increase and they'll jump in and kind of do the upsells. And so um, it's been, it's been a beneficial program. It's been good because everybody kind of wins with that. And getting some people who don't mind talking to the client, getting upsells. So we'll comp on upsells as well, too. Not in a traditional, like, it's not necessarily a sales team member doing that. That's kind of an ops team member who can kind of talk about yeah. why their pricing is going up and what the need for it is. So just one more crazy piece. Um, and we're doing some experimenting. We're doing some experiment at some of the higher levels, too, right now of of looking at variable comp plans based on overall performance of acuity. Um, historically, uh, that's profit share. some profit yeah. sharing of where we do think some higher tiers of the team, um, at least more from a resp- higher tiers from a responsibility standpoint, they do absolutely impact the bottom line of acuity. So it's been kind of fun this year, rolling out one of our first kind of profit share plans, that I think is uh, getting that team a little more uh, aligned on what the overall financial health looks like at Acuity and playing a part in that and getting excited about, hey, when we're doing well, they can win on that. So there's a, yes, there's one more bonus that kind of, that one's a quarterly one that we kind of typically work through. So it's got spot bonuses. We've got monthly things, variable comp, quarterly pieces. Uh, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, Half the people don't get paid every other payroll. Like I know it's, it. it's just crazy. It's crazy. So here's a question for you. 
What do you think about equity compensation for like non-partners in an accounting firm? Like what you hear, I heard, you know, I heard someone say like, oh, we're going to do stock options. So we're going to do, what's you, I have a take on it. What's your take? I, I think equity, equity compensation is crap. I had to buy my equity. I think everybody should have to buy their equity. Like, I think if they want to defer salary and buy equity, that's great. But I, I, I am not fond of stock options and, and, and the like. I'm totally fine with people that want to be owners, that want to pay a fair price, to be owners and, 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 and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, so, so I, that's my, that's my, that's my real take on it. That's like, it's not I, even a hot take. That, that's pretty... just like, let's get real take. Here's what happened. Yes. Matthew bought into acuity when he came in. Same thing when you became partner at Cherry Becker. Like that's how that mechanism works. You buy in. Well, I mean, same, same thing. Lisa, Lisa bought in Patty and Scott. I mean, they had a company. Uh, our they, COO at they, acuity? Yeah, yeah. They buy in. It's yeah. not just given. I mean, they, that's not, that wasn't a gift. Those were like, we traded. I mean, there was a transaction, you know. Yeah, value so for value. That, that's value for value. Value for value. And I think when I hear people talk about sweat equity, I'm like, that's fine. But what that to me should mean is, okay, great. Then you're getting you, that. If I see, if I hear sweat equity, I always think you should see a below market compensation rate. Like, great. Okay, maybe this person is your. COO and you're paying them below market and you can show that's below market, that could be a way you can help somebody earn into equity. That's fine. I, that's I'm okay with buying that. equity. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's like, fine. But but say what the real thing is. So when that time period's over, when they're bought in, they get ratcheted up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like be real about it. Like if it, if the market is, that's supposed to be a 120 or 150 headcount and you're taking 75, that's how much, like the period of time you take yep. that lower salary should basically pay off that equity. There you go. Right? It should be your buy-in there. So why do, I think this is where people get confused. Why do, well, it seems, well, gosh, if I go join a startup, so a bunch of the startup, a bunch of the tech stack partners, like, right? Do people kind of get options early on in bill.com or what's Brex doing these days? They get options. So why is that okay for them to do and not in an accounting firm? Well, I think it's, I think, it's really overused to the point where people, when they go shop jobs, don't even count it compensation. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's such low percentages that it's not really meaningful, even if there's a transaction. And in most yeah. cases, I would say in these outlier cases, like you got an early, you're an early employee at Facebook, good on you. And I'm not saying in all cases, but like, I can just say, I remember the startup that I did when I was like 26, 27, right? We sold, we literally had a million dollars in revenue. We sold for a hundred million dollars <laughs> and 10 people made a hundred thousand dollars or more on that deal. And only three people, yep. Three people made a million bucks Yeah, out of the employees. Yeah. We sold for a hundred million dollars. And only three people made a million bucks, which is good on them. But like, I'd say that was probably a jacked I, up I, option uh, plan that you guys yeah. had. <laughs> but, but I, I hear I, you. I think people, I mean, it, it is. Oh, a, that was a, that was like a cap table with like 
recapped twice over yeah, like kind of there was some, there was there's other some hair on that deal too. they say there was some hair on that dog so but, but still I, I i think even if, even when i talk to people who are shopping jobs right now like they basically value their equity at zero like if mm-hmm. if people are doing that then other than like the founding team like i don't i don't i mean our startup smart do that i think Maybe as a retention tool, um, that's a good thing for those folks, you know. Yeah, if yeah. You're seeing you're seeing that value go up, but it's it's really not because usually they can exercise those options and walk away and still have that locked in value. So I don't know. Um, it, it is. It's I, a great I think question, though. It's a great good question, and I think it's one that people should be very considerative of. When I hear about accounting firms, people thinking about equity like that. I, just, I, I don't want I don't want to misconstrue this. I don't I do think there's some things, and maybe we'll kind of go into this as our final piece, but like there are some things that we could all be doing as firms to better align all of our team members with the success of the overall firm. However, this is an area that we know startups really well. Uh, it's just what we've been around, we've been part of for a long time. This one to me, when people mimic this piece of it, doesn't seem right. Not, I don't think it's the right thing. It's a different kind of organization. Those are being built to be flipped and sold immediately. So if you're an accounting firm that is, is maybe doing, okay, fine. Maybe there's some mechanism to where um, you can reward people if it gets sold. People have to really look at though, what kind of multiples are things getting sold for in the accounting space? And how often does that happen? And it's very, very low. It doesn't happen that frequently. It's very, you know... These are these are tools for where you've got an equity an investing partner who's in there pushing this so hard to flip this thing, sell it to a strategic, sell it to a financial buyer, sell it to the public markets, which all that stuff right now is closed. That is just shut down right now for the next couple of years. Anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, and that's not the way that most accounting firms work. And even if you are planning on selling in the next four or five years, there are probably much better ways to get bonuses, comps, some cash in people's hands um, for the successful transaction of your firm or transition of it to another place or retention to kind of say, hey, we want to keep you there. And so I think that people overcomplicate it, get excited about that. And you know, uh, and I, I I I just personally think it's a mistake. I don't think it's I don't think it's the right mechanism, right tool for um, giving people ownership in an accounting firm. Now that said, you know, I would love to see more ownership in some way, shape or form being pushed down beyond just the partner level. We've talked about this before of like, it'd be really cool to see this if there was more opportunity to kind of have ownership for people who came in. And if you increase the enterprise value of an organization while you're there, I think that'd be really interesting, but there's still usually that's going to require some kind of investment, some kind of outside capital coming to play. And whenever that happens, the thing that people don't realize is you get pushed to such a degree um, that the whole operations of your firm is going to change. So anyway, I'm, that, I'm kind of digressing in a weird way there, but um, I don't know. I just yeah, don't see, I, I, don't, I don't see, I, I don't see stock options as a very good op- viable approach to accounting. No, firms. I I, th- I I think of it more as like a stock ownership plan where you like you like your 401k, you can set aside 10, 15% of your salary and buy 
buy equity in the company and then you know that grows over time and you know maybe it puts off a six to eight percent return you know i mean it's accounting from let's be real what exactly it's return right so um so it's like as long as it's marketed correctly and people like buy in over time and, and stuff like that i think that's right and then as long as you have a sufficient liquidity source where they can get out on a quarterly or, or you know at least when they leave the firm you know yeah, where there's a, like the, there's not some kind of punitive you know, sort of Damocles hanging over your head where you have to take a a big haircut on, on your, your position. I think that would, that's, that's important, but yeah, I think that that's the way know, to think of it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you nailed it. Like that, that's where it's a different asset class than because if you're thinking this is going to be an early founder of Facebook situation, which by the way, that is, that is literally finding the half a billion dollar lottery ticket laying in the parking lot. Like that is so remote of a chance that is so remote, that stuff does not happen. And so if you think that that's what's going to happen to the accounting firm, you're wrong. But if you want to invest, put in and say, gosh, you know, I, get, I can get a nice return. But like you said, a little bit of some cash flow coming off it, a nice ROI, then that's a different, I agree with you. That's a different thing than saying, great, I'll have this, I'm going to find the freaking lottery ticket out there. And uh, how, how great is it going to be when, you know, Acuity or anything else sells at like a freaking billion dollars? It's not going to happen. Not gonna happen anyway. <coughs> Pilot. <laughs> oh, don't put that out. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I would be concerned. I mean, certainly with that valuation. I mean, that's the problem with these valuations, too. Again, separate episode we're gonna do here at some point, but like, man, you go and raise that valuation. And the people who get hurt, and I'm not picking on pilot here. This is we have so many clients in this space. The people who get hurt in these startups that get these crazy high valuations are the employees. It's not the investors. Because they had common stock and the investors exactly. all have- They have all they kinds have, of rights. They have they all have kinds of, yeah. Preferred treatment. Like everybody that put money on pilots get money before all the investors are getting it out. Yeah, so it's just all the common employees investors are. For the employees, all the employees yeah. for sure. Yeah, it just is a tough thing. So anyway, um, I just thought it was kind of funny because I was reflecting back on that about the fact that Gusto, our dear, wonderful friends at Gusto, um, we're like, you guys are screwed up. Like, I know we do a bunch of weird, wacky things. Um, I just made me think of like, Hey, it'd be good to talk about. And I know I've, I've, I've had fun conversations with other firm owners about how comp you're works really, you're, you're really selling it. Like that people should try this. They you're should. really selling it, man. You're really, they should try this, but you're, should. you're really selling it. You should come try it out. We, hey, we'll dust off a bunch of our plans. We'll hand them out to anybody who wants them. Cause they're we got some wild ones. We got some wild oh, ones for sure. I'll dust off the old CFO comp spreadsheet that Kendrick created. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was back when I used to do things like spreadsheets. I don't know how to use spreadsheets oh. anymore. <laughs> that's, Actually, that's, you know, I love spreadsheets. Yeah. All right, let's rate some beers, my friend, my drinking buddy. Um, I've got mine pulled up here. We're going to go over and do the delirium. The delirium, the tremendous delirium. I mean, that is uh, a thanks again to our sponsors and rock and rock for all your SaaS sales tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I give this, I love a good Belgian beer just takes me like I'm in, Bel- oh man. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go four, two, five on this really, really nice. It's just too big of a beer. It is eight and a half. Oops. It's an eight and a half percenter. It's a big bottle. Um, I did a lot of, uh, you know, um, 
having fun yesterday. I probably don't need to be drinking today, but I am. So this is probably too big of a beer for me to be consuming right now. Uh, Matthew, yours is called the Porty. It's just Porty, not the Porty, just Porty. One word, just like it is Port Orleans, right? Yep. Porty. Tell me about the Porty. What do you got for the Porty shorty? Wait, 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 wait. Did you get it right? Is that Orleans one? It looks different. Is that Orleans? That looks right. Okay. Okay, Let's go. uh, Let's go. I was going to say four, two, five, because I'm end up, but you have to take a 0.25 off just because it's from New Orleans and they have the Saints there. So four, a four. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you to accounting, accounting salon, accounting salon, one of the greatest gatherings of the accounting minds of the 21st century. Accounting salon. Make sure when applications come out that you register to try to be a member of accounting salon. Remember, there's their judgment is so good that they excluded Matthew May, accounting <laughs> salon. <laughs> My favorite, favorite ad, ad sponsor ad ever. I love it. Uh, thanks, thanks Amanda. y'all. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks everyone for jumping on. Again, uh, reach out, subscribe. Give us some topics you want us to cover. Anything you come, want to hear about at Acuity, we'll tell you all about. Come hang with out with us at, at Zero Congos. So that'll be fun too. That's the next time we're going out. So we'll be drinking some Port, Port Orleans for sure. Oh, yeah. Zero Con. For, for sure. sure. See you guys. Cheers, everyone.